As European economies reopen, the U.S. economy is on pause. How does that impact regional preference in a portfolio? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenvitz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners. And by sharing these perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of July 13th, 2020. And week like 8,000 of work from home, quarantine, socially distant, blah. Oh, Robert, don't be such a downer. I know, I know, but it's so tough with these headlines. COVID-19 is unsurprisingly surging in the United States. Hospitals in some areas are nearing capacity constraints. We're hearing about supply chain issues with testing, Uh, Test sites have shut down. Several states in the South and West have announced rollbacks or temporary pauses on plans to reopen further. It's like March all over again. Yeah. And on top of all of that, we still can't go to Europe. Uh, LG. I know, I know. I don't mean to make light of the pandemic. It's serious. And the fact that this tragic human health crisis is still with us is really upsetting. I know, I know, you're super responsible. I mostly meant to move us towards today's podcast topic, which is all about regional preference in your portfolio and how this dynamic of handling the virus is playing into it. So who is set up to perform better? The U.S. with its virus resurgence, but strong growth companies, or Europe and international with the virus more under control, but a reliance on global growth improving? Yeah, so I was complaining or pretending to complain about not being able to travel to Europe, but the prohibition on travel is actually pretty indicative of the overall investment environment. Europe's done a much better job in containing the virus, and when outbreaks have popped up, they've been snuffed out pretty quickly. Investors have started to identify this as one reason why maybe that creates a good investment opportunity. I think we're starting to see that difference play out in economic data as well. The global economic data has rebounded sharply off the lockdown lows, and that was both U.S. and international communities, China. But behind that global synchronized lockdown and then reopening are actually the seeds now for relatively large performance gaps. Yeah, so globally, economic data has rebounded significantly from its lows, from the sort of worst part of the crisis. And you can see that in some of the alternative high-frequency data. So I'm thinking Google Mobility data or open table restaurant reservations. And then we saw it after that in the more traditional economic data, like surveys of businesses, employment gains, consumption too. Yeah, like uh, in the US, we had 4.8 million new jobs added to the economy in June. Right, exactly. So we had the fast-moving data go first. Then we had some of the, what you'd call hard data go second, uh, soft and hard actually, surveys as well as the, the jobs reports, things like that. But at the same time now that the virus is starting to resurge again, 
Those real-time or fast-moving indicators, the Google Mobility and Open Table type data, are starting to plateau or even decline. And by the way, that was happening even before the official rollbacks of reopening. So folks were starting to be more cautious with respect to the virus even before their governments said that they had to be. Now, the Eurozone, of course, is a totally different story. Mobility trends have kept improving. Policy has done a better job of shielding the economy from that employment shock as well. Right. So I think that's really well said. And it isn't clear yet to me, but to anyone, um, what policy choices that you just talked about will achieve the most optimal or the best result for economic and health outcomes. Both the U.S. and Europe will continue to face lingering risks, both with the virus and more so that some of their other policy, like fiscal stimulus, rolls off or subsidies fade. Um, What is clear, what is certain to me, is that so long as the virus freely circulates within our communities, as it is now, um, particularly in the United States, it's going to weigh on consumption. And the the worst part about that is that it could inflict long-term damage to the economy if temporary unemployment becomes permanent. Right. I, I think that's right. And the factors that you're mentioning, so in particular, the fade out of policy support, could risk an incomplete recovery in the U.S. and an investment environment that in which the U.S. underperforms relative to other developed markets. Now's a perfect time for our portfolio pause. Uh, that's a section of the program where we share an investment idea. And today, our investment idea is, is about tactical allocation. Uh, so here we're talking about regions of the world who have done a better job containing their pandemic and are benefiting from specific regional economic characteristics or trends. So in other words, all you want to say is that the U.S. looks unattractive right now. I mean, look at the pandemic situation. But first, I think it's important to remind everyone that we're talking about tactical allocations here, not strategic. Basically, that means that we're not trying to impact the longer term objectives or goals of your portfolio. And that's measured via risk. So um, really, what we're doing is making a small change at the margin to try to help improve investor outcomes. Exactly. So followers of our team's insight will remember that economic trends and relative growth often guide our allocation decisions. So just to give an example, in 2017, we saw global synchronized growth, meaning that countries in all regions of the world were experiencing a rebound or an economic recovery. It's great news. And in environments like that, there are some regions and sectors that tend to perform better. So countries that are more designed to take advantage of exports. Uh, Believe it or not, uh, Europe is actually much more export-oriented than the U.S. is. Um, Similarly, countries that export industrial metals or that uh, engage in those parts of the economy that are more cyclical, that do well when the economy is doing well. Um, And so this is just one way that we can think about toggling our regional exposure over time. And so it's a little bit different today. Um, in that in, in an environment where the uh, economy is so uncertain, um, it's not necessarily clear uh, which policy environment's going to win out. And so to address that, again, just in the short term, we have a couple of approaches that we think uh, will help justify investment decisions. Exactly, exactly. So we have two, actually. The first idea is that investors can try to capture exactly what you were just talking about, the improving global growth environment, by uh, taking some proceeds 
from U.S. equities, which have done really, really well um, due to some of the underlying characteristics, uh, less cyclicality, basically, and allocate that to Europe or other international developed countries, where, as you said, they tend to be more cyclical and currently have more attractive valuations. Basically, they, they're trading at a lower price. Um, these, these, this allocation makes a lot of sense uh, historically as it's performed well historically should um, in, in a rebounding global growth environment. Yeah, and, and for those who maybe don't want to increase their international allocation, this is the second idea, by the way. Um, assuming that that you have a diversified portfolio, but you want to keep your overall international exposure where it is, you could move up in quality. And right now that means perhaps taking some of your allocation from emerging markets where there's been less fiscal and monetary policy efficacy, and they've had some more trouble containing the virus, and allocating that towards international developed markets, such as Europe and Japan, again, which are uh, doing better on those fronts and that have those cyclical qualities. And there you have it. These are two ways an investor can think about changing their uh, equity positioning uh, while staying within the same amount of risk. Uh, to maybe capture um, an, a better international investment environment. Coming up this week, we'll get a bunch of U.S. data. So basically stuff that already happened. Yes, that's correct. Some, some <laughs> of the data is important, though, inflation, small business optimism. But ultimately, um, these are indicators looking at June, which is maybe a little bit before we started to see some reclosures in U.S. states. So we're going to continue to uh, watch the fast-moving indicators like Google Mobility and uh, to get a more real-time indication of what's going on in the economy. And we both know, and Robert, I know that you're anxious to talk about this, but we both know that what really is exciting this week is that earnings season starts. So exciting. Um, listen, some stuff might be shutting down, but don't worry, Disney World's still open. So uh, I'm actually out there watching uh, earnings season. We're kicking off with some big banks and healthcare companies this week. And listen, everyone knows what to expect. This is going to have been a terrible quarter. It's Q2. Everything was locked down. Um, probably going to be the worst quarter since 2008. But that's not exactly what the equity markets are focusing on. They're focusing on a really rapid recovery in, pro in corporate profits. And so I actually think it'll be more important for us to, to look at what corporate management's saying. Corporations, when they provide earnings, they comment on their expectations for their business in the future. And because of COVID, they withdrew all that guidance because who knows what the environment was going to look like. And so maybe as they're reporting, they're going to release a little bit more information and any expectations for lower revenues or further layoffs or worse profitability would definitely increase market volatility and might cause investors to take a pause. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, let us know on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you all by finding us on LinkedIn. And you can also follow our views at nylinvestments.com slash blog. But until then, I am Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. We look forward to hearing from you. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. 
For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.